Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion today, we wanna to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Matt S, Gabe F, and Joe G. On the program today is a new guest, Michael Wood has joined us. Michael is the executive chairman of Sendero Resources, an Argentina-focused copper and gold explorer that has exploration grounds in the Vicuna Copper Gold District, which straddles the border of Northern Argentina and Chile. The company's exploration grounds are nearby some significant projects, such as Casaroni's Mine, which is operating, and then also development projects at Los Halados and also Jose Maria. Sendero Resources is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol S-E-N-D. Michael, thank you for coming on the program. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Andrew. No, great to be here. Absolutely, Michael. It's good to uh, chat with you. And why don't we just kick things off as we typically do on new companies and new guests uh, with just you giving us your resume, background, and experience in this junior natural resource sector. Yeah, sure. No, it's something I've been, I've been in for about 10 years now, Andrew, and uh, started out in, in Asia, bringing out companies, uh, junior resource companies, marketing and raising capital, and then uh, moved into the asset ownership side. Uh, first deal in 2016, a nickel deposit in Asia, and then uh, did a deal with uh, Mag Silver, which is quite a well-known darling of the exploration sector and created a company called Rainer Silver back in 2018, which went public in 2020. Now had a number of, of junior companies gone on to the TSXV and Sendero is, is the latest and a very exciting company. You know, we're, like you touched on, we're in the Bakunia district, which is arguably the hottest copper exploration district in the world right now. Some major discoveries and uh, you know, very excited to get this company out into the public domain. It's been something we've been working on privately since uh, since March 2021, so two and a half years. Excited now to be a public company and have, have the money to go and do extensive uh, initial exploration drilling uh, on the property. Michael, well, thank you for that. And yes, it's absolutely a very interesting region there. And some of the discoveries over the past few years have just been quite impressive, tremendous scale as well. But before we get into the company, why don't we just get uh, just your thoughts on you know, how you look at this gold copper market at this point. Uh, this is the two areas in which you guys are focused on. So obviously gold, quite relevant, copper, quite relevant, but just your understanding of that market. Obviously the company is expiration stage and the gold and copper market, you know, has a limited impact in the shadow of a good discovery, but it's also important to establish a view of supply and demand and the challenges really within the sector. What are your thoughts on gold and copper at this point? Yeah, sure, Andrew. And I, I think it's increasingly becoming a, a combination that companies want to have both of. You, you look at Barrick, they're the, you know, the second biggest gold miner, very vocally trying to and actively trying to increase their copper production. They already have reasonable copper production. And then after the merger with, with Newcrest, Newmont now openly saying they want to increase copper production as well. So I think, you know, companies feel it, it's kind of a natural hedge. Uh, you know, you have um, Dr. Copper, uh, when times are booming and then you have gold for, for more kind of volatile and, and depressed times. Uh, and both are good margin metals to be mining uh, and both need quite a lot of expertise. So like I think if you look at the copper market, there's definitely pretty strong conviction 
that probably later in this decade, I don't think yet, we're going to have a supply crunch. There's been massive underinvestment. There's growing demand uh, from multiple sources for copper and, and the supply is falling. And uh, you know, some new mines have come online and are coming on my, uh, online this year and next. But after that, the pipeline is very thin. And uh, I think most, most experts in the sector are predicting kind of the latter part of this decade, there could be a substantial supply crunch in copper. And as people in the sector know, you, you can't just turn on supply in a matter of years. It takes, particularly for copper mines, which are generally of a large scale, the best part of 10 or 20 years to, to make a major discovery and bring it online. So it's definitely a sector, I think, the miners are getting more conviction in longer term that it will be a very profitable metal to mine. You know, BHP as well, like we touched on, on the big gold miners, but BHP, the biggest miner in the world, is also very actively trying to increase copper production. Um, so it, it's definitely something in vogue and I think has has a great decade or two ahead of it. And then gold is, is, is very different. Right? And it's uh, it's definitely had a very good few years. It's ha it's held up very well, I think, over the course of 2023. And we had a tough period. We've had a nice bounce the last couple of days. And uh, that the, the miners are you know making good money, even 1850, 1860, uh, good margins being made. And, uh, you know, with the potential that the metal could run heavily uh, at any point, really, I think, you know, it, increasingly people are people are looking back at, uh, at gold miners and really feeling this is a, a very good entry point to be getting into some good quality name. So, yeah, it's been a it's been a challenging uh, kind of year and a half, two years for, for particularly the junior end of the market. But I think we're looking at a, a better a better period coming up. Maybe not quite yet, but I, I'm pretty optimistic. First half of 2024, the market will be a lot better than it has been. Yeah, it's definitely a long slog. Requires patience. Uh, time is always uh, an issue, and of course, uh, you know, capital solvency and all those other things really play into it, Michael. But uh, I'm in the same camp that definitely we have very good conditions to see gold and copper go higher. The question, of, of course, is when. There's going to be opportunities along the way because obviously good discovery still gets rewarded, even in a bad sentiment environment like we've seen over the last year and a half or so. And then, of course, just that mining is difficult, Michael. It's just difficult to do. And cost escalations over the last few years, even some of the best of the best have been unable to keep their costs down just because of escalation of materials and good technical expertise and with any comments there, I just want to jump also just into the company and just get a quick overview of Sendero Resources, and then let's get into some specifics. Maybe just before we jump into Sendero, yeah, I think, you know, you're increasingly seeing the floor under the gold price is because there's increasing demand for gold as a, as a natural uh, transactional metal, you know, i.e. people are using it more and more as a currency globally. And I think uh, we'll see that continue. As people look to de-dollarize over over the coming years, um, gold is is the ultimate kind of uh, neutral counterparty uh, object that, that people are happy to counter you know negative sorry no counterparty risk that people are happy to transact in. Uh, I think that's why we've kind of seen very solid gold price in you know if you look at the economic conditions and you know treasury yields are four or five percent you would have assumed and with good real yields you would assume that the gold price would have really collapsed, and it hasn't. And I think uh, we're increasingly seeing that it, it's coming back to be to be a monetary metal, as it has been throughout most of human history. But yeah, 50% of gold mined every year goes just to jewelry production as well. I think a lot of people forget that. 
there's a lot of actual physical demand for gold as well. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a positive setup for, for gold, I think, right now. And the technicals look quite good as well. If, if we can get back up above the kind of 200-day moving average, then it could have a good run. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a... An interesting entry point. So I, th I think with that, Andrew, yeah, let me let me move on to, to Sendero. And uh, like I think uh, we're blessed that we definitely have both gold and copper on the property and uh, and and silver. We expect there'll be a, a reasonable silver deposit, which is also a great kicker. You know, we we can I think most people in the sector understand that supply dynamics with silver also like like copper uh, almost certainly major deficits coming. I mean, there are currently deficits, and I think they'll get worse over the coming years. So, it's a it's a beautiful geological setup that we have, and um, we're, we're on what's um, now called the Vicuña Belt. So, the whole area between uh, Al India and Marikunga, the two of the biggest uh, copper belts in the world, has formerly been defined as the Vicuña District. Uh, we've got Atex resources down in the southern part, down there, Al India. Uh, doing some great exploration, but in the northern part, it's mainly the London group of companies that have, have done all the exploration and made amazing discoveries. Rio de Sol, Jose Maria, Las Avadas, Port of Cliffs, the new one this year, and I'm sure they'll they'll discover plenty more deposits as well to, due to the nature of geology. And, and we're very fortunate to have a, a nice land package on this Vicuña about uh, 120 square kilometers, a sizable land package that was put together by our CEO Hernan Vera. Who, who has had a very esteemed mining career in Argentina. He ran uh, Anglo Gold Ashanti, Yamana Gold, Barrick Gold in Argentina, built three major mines in Argentina, oversaw the production of millions of ounces of gold. He put together this land package under Vicuña about over the course of 2018 and 2019. And then we formed Sendero with him in March 2021. The, the nature of the geology, Andrew, is, is kind of unique. Um, it's it's what's defined as a, described sorry as a, a, a telescoped porphyry cluster. So all the Landine discoveries, Pilar del Sol, Jose Maria, uh, Las Salas, etc. They're all these telescoped porphyry systems, and it basically means you've got a mixture of an epithermal system and a porphyry into one. The classic uh, geological model, the epithermal, is it's multiple hundred meters above a porphyry if it hasn't been eroded. But what we found in this Bakuni about is that you've had rapid erosion and rapid uplift at the same time, bringing the epithermal system down and the porphyry system up, and they've merged into one ore body. It's very unique and very distinctive, and it's produced monster ore bodies of great grade. And that's the excitement in Vicuña, and we're on that bout, and we have the same geological indicators as, as the major discoveries. Um, a lot of it is surface work, but at one of our targets that was extensively drilled in the 1990s by Adorado Gold, we can confirm that that's a telescope system. They did about nine and a half thousand meters of drilling, uh, mainly into the epithermal system at the top, but we're consistently hitting porphyry mineralization below the epithermal. Uh, and you know, we, we, we already uh, can categorically say that that's a telescope system. And we expect that most of the deposits on our property will be telescoped, if not all. That's the nature of the geology on the belt, which is, is quite unique and, and really very exciting geologically. And the whole area, just to go back, Andrew, a little bit further, you know, it was perceived as a gap. So people weren't really exploring to, in great deal. And the London group of companies have done amazing geology and show that it's not a gap. And it could well be the, the source of a lot of copper production coming over the coming decades. So, you know, very exciting location that we're in and also very exciting geology that we've already discovered. 
Michael, so I want to come back to the project specifically in a moment and get your take on what the next plans are, next steps uh, to move this forward now that the company's listed and live. But why don't we just talk briefly capital structure, Michael, give the audience a view here in terms of the cash on hand now, uh, how far down the road that gets the company in terms of its goals here on exploration, initial exploration work and testing some of those targets. And then also just shares outstanding with that uh, management board ownership and the major shareholders. Look, we're coming out with 65.4 million shares on issue. Uh, the capital was raised at 20 cents, which gives us a market cap of 13 million Canadian dollars. Um, we have 33%, so a third of the company is owned by insiders. Uh, so a strong proportion are owned by insiders. And we have a number of institutions come in as well and supported us in this initial financing. Um, we raised just under $6 million, just at 5.9 million Canadian dollars. And our initial drill budget for this coming season is 2.9 million US dollars, which is about 3.8, 3.9 Canadian. So, you know, we're coming out post, post listing with a little bit under 5 million Canadian in the bank. So, you know, we've got a nice buffer to go and do the work we want to do, initially test these telescope systems we're drilling and still have a bit of a buffer capital wise, allow us to do some good marketing for this new story as well. So we're very happy with the capital raise. We want to raise a minimum of four you know, and came in just under six, so well oversubscribed, and some great shareholders uh, came in who know the area, uh, and I think will be very supportive of you know, being investors in the major discoveries in the area, which are all now billion dollar plus companies. To give you some perspective, every other target on the Bakuni about, the formal Bakuni about, is, is in the Lundin group of companies, NJX, Fuelo Mining, and uh, and Lundin Mining. And they're all billion dollar plus companies. So, you know, we're, we're coming out the gate at a fraction of that and have great potential upside. And also just cover off the overall ownership of the shares at this point and any major shareholders that you can mention. A third of the company is, is with insiders. And then we have about 22% institutions and quite a few of the, the major exploration funds have, have come in, uh, Commodity Discovery Fund, Terra Capital, uh, a number of the, the, the small cap funds in Canada. So, you know, some good institutional supporters that are very familiar with um, with exploration stories and uh, are very excited uh, about what we're doing and, and the deal, right? I think, you know, it's in a less depressed market, I think the pricing of our go public financing would have been a lot higher. But, you know, we, we had to go at a, at a reasonably low price from our, our, our view of what we have just to get that initial capital to go drill. So I think a lot of the shareholders understood that and have to be you know, substantially oversubscribed in, the, in our IPO uh, financing. It's a tough market condition. With that, why don't we just talk briefly about some of the people on the team at the company, anyone that, there that you'd like to highlight and maybe some of the skills that they bring to the table? Yeah, and there's, there's two main people who, who are really world-class in, in what they do. Um, one, one is David Royal, who's our, who's our chief technical advisor. He, he is a, a, you know, a phenomenal exploration geologist, multiple world-class discoveries. Most people will never make one. David has a whole resume of, of major discoveries to his name. Sarah Negro, uh, I think the most valuable transaction ever in Argentina, $3.4 billion it was sold for. He was part of the initial exploration team of Escondida, the biggest copper mine in the world. He really is uh, one of the preeminent porphyry experts who's active in the world today. And also a great experience in the Andes. So you know, we we were we were talking to a few technical advisors, and David really stood out and immediately loved the project as well. He he knew the district, he knew the potential, 
and uh, you know, great to have David as our chief technical advisor overseeing the exploration. And then secondly, Hernan Vera, who, who's our CEO uh, and the property vendor. Hernan you know, ran, ran three major companies in Argentina, built three major mines in Argentina. He's, he's a mining engineer by background. He also operated mines in, Argent, uh, in, in Africa before, in Nevada. Had a, had a very esteemed uh, mining career. And uh, he bought these claims, put them together, and has a, has a great reputation in Argentina and really has helped us also attract great talent in, in country. Our, our, our geological staff, I think, is, is exceptional. And, and we have great relations with contractors as well. We, we've got a preferred drill contractor, a local a San Juan drill contractor who, who's drilled in Bakuni uh, extensively. And you know, great to be able to tie that up. I think helps uh, you know, again ties back into Hernan and his relationships and country. So, you know, for for a junior company, uh, you know, to have people like this, you know, David. Going back to Dave, you know, he 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 worked at the majors as well. He worked at Newcrest. He worked at Newmont. He worked at what was Mount Isna Mines, which became part of Glencore. At the time, Mount Isna Mines was was one of the biggest mining companies in the world before growing up and being a consultant. So to have people of that pedigree, David and Hernan, in such a small company is pretty rare. And I think really kind of ties back to the potential of, of the land package that we have, that that, that we've been able to, uh, to have them and they're interested in, in functioning in the junior end of the market. Let's talk about the project focus and plans here, but the company holds about uh, 120 square kilometers of grounds, 100% owned. The Pinas Negras property, which has a number of specific project target areas covering that area. Talk about the project and talk about where it's situated, and then also give us a flavor for infrastructure that is in nearby the area. Obviously, we've got some very large development projects nearby. Talk about some of those existing projects and how where this fits in, and just give us kind of the the bigger view first, and then we'll get into some of the initial plans. We're basically 10 kilometers from Casarones, which is an operating mine operated by the Japanese and the London Group actually bought majority stake last year for a billion dollars. Uh, that's basically 10 kilometers northwest of us. We have um, Lasalados, one of the London Group discoveries, basically about 10 kilometers west. And then Jose Maria, about 10 kilometers southwest. All around us on the trend, we, we have these. Um, Fila del Sol, the most famous discovery on the belt, you know, almost $3 billion valuation on the discovery story is about 25 kilometers south uh, west of us as well. So the Cancerone's operating mine, I think um, we will find, let's see how these, particularly Jose Marin and Fila del Sol advance over the next kind of six, 12 months, but at least one more mine built, I believe construction announcement coming imminently for the second mine in the district. And I think there'll be multiple mines building, but we've definitely benefited from that infrastructure. There's a lot of access roads up to our property that we share with them. And um, really it's it's a case where, you know, previously this was a gap, now it's becoming an area, a major area of activity. And I think it's a case of, we don't necessarily need to discover enough to build a mine. We could easily just convey all over if it comes to that. But, you know, the targets we have, we believe, a world class. I think we could be a standalone project in its own right, but it definitely benefits an exploration project like ours, knowing that you know there's going to probably be two mines both within about 10 kilometers of the border of our property. It's in a good spot. The land package is large, and it's just going to take capital to determine what's there. And I think that everybody understands that there's definitely going to be something there. It's just a matter of time and capital, and obviously punching those holes in the right places, right? So really well placed and a lot of ground there. 
just overall, what is the initial target area focus? You know, you got some project names here within the land package. Just talk about the overall focus in terms of what you guys plan to be accomplished. You know, you have this drill program coming up. Talk about how you guys identified some of those targets and really what you'd like to complete, say, over the next six months or so, and what news items you see coming, because obviously once you guys get past this drill program, you'll have some results and there'll be obviously the need to come back to the market and finance. Just talk about overall the plans, say, over the next six months at the projects. Look, a key objective is drill results to show grade and width on these identified targets. But I think if we just take a step back, you know, We've benefited a lot from the exploration in the district. We've copied the same approach that that, that, that has been used for these major discoveries, and we, we're finding the same things. We've got the same host rocks. We've got the same structural controls. We've got the same alterations. We've got the same style of minimization. We've got the same geochemistry. We've got the same geophysics. Literally everything you know we ticked off that we wanted to see, and we're ready to drill in multiple locations. So we already have eight major targets on the property. We already have a cluster of targets. But we're going to initially test three uh, in this initial drilling, which is going to be four and a half thousand meters of drilling. And really, these initial three targets have been selected uh, for two primary purposes. One, where we'll start La Pena, is, is a major outcropping diorite porphyry. Now, to give some context, it's very, very rare to find an outcropping porphyry system. Usually, they're multiple hundred meters deep. Now, what we've found here at La Pena is we basically have a, 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 a mini mountain large hill, let's call it. It's about 300 meters high. The whole top of that is an outcropping diorite porphyry system. It's about 600 meters by 800 meters of surface. Uh, our ground magnetics indicate it's about 800 meters to 1.1 kilometers deep. It's a very, very obvious drill target. It has the same structural controls as, as the major discoveries in the area. It has a beautiful bullseye magnetic anomaly. It has beautiful potassic alteration and outcropping at surface again. It literally has everything, ticks all the boxes. So this is our number one target. This is where we'll start drilling. And uh, we'll put two initial 500 meter holes into this. So this is a, a really substantial deposit, but this is up on the northeastern part of the property. Now what we have down in the southern part of the property and what we call Cerro South and Tamborias is a clustering of these most likely telescope porphyry systems. We have combinations of porphyry mineralization and epithermal mineralization, uh, which we expect once we drill, we'll confirm that they're telescoped. And what we want to show, these two target areas, Cerro South and Tamborias, are in a big circular structure, which is an eroded volcano, we believe. It's about a three kilometer diameter circle. And we want to start to show that this whole area is a cluster swarm of these porphyries. Uh, and if we can show reasonable grade, it's potentially massive. Uh, so we want to start to test that in this initial drilling. Now, in Tamborias, again, we have an outcropping diorite porphyry. Again, we have literally porphyry mineralization outcropping at surface. In Cerro South, it's a bit, there's a bit of cover. The, the ground magnetics that we have there and the aeromagnetics, we have ground and aeromag, indicate the porphyry centers are probably in the region kind of 80 to 100 meters from surface starting. So again, relatively high level. So these are the three main targets we want to drill test. And really ticking all the boxes, uh, indicating that they're major porphyry, probably telescope porphyries, uh, and we want to drill them, drill them for grade, right? And I, I think we have, you know, so many targets. We really want to focus in. The market is, is obviously very focused on grade. You know, understand where where the higher grade is, uh, but also like if this whole clustering event, we can sort of show that all good grade. I mean, 
that is a potential phenomenal discovery uh, to be getting a clustering in, in such a big structure is really exciting geologically. So they're the three main targets we want to initially test. We have other targets that we're advancing as well. To give some context, uh, the majority of the historic drilling was a, a, another target called La Agita. This is just slightly north of that, uh, that circular volcano, uh, eroded volcano structure. That's a confirmed telescope system. Adorado Gold drilled it between 1995 and 1997. They did uh, just under nine, nine and a half thousand meters, predominantly focused on the epithermal system, but were consistently hitting porphyry mineralization below the epithermal. And they got some pretty good intercepts. And if you have a look in today's market, I think they'll be very well received. And this system is open in all directions, literally in all directions. And we definitely want to look to expand that. But initially, you know, that's not the priority in, the, in this in this drilling. You know, we, with this initial four and a half thousand meters, we want we want to test those three priority targets. But Laogita is a great target that will be advanced. We have several in North as well, which again has the same has the same everything, the, the whole checklist, the same host rocks, structural controls, alteration, blah blah blah, big magnetic anomaly. So again, that's a beautiful target that we will get to. Uh, and so, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a case initially we want to drill, show the market good grade and width from these targets, hopefully start to open up this whole clustering event down in the southern part of the property. And then I think the company will be, uh, you know, really, really in great shape going forward with great access to capital and a substantially higher share price. Michael, I think it makes a lot of sense to study really study hard, you know, the nearby deposits and obviously the exploration programs that have been ongoing there over the last couple of years, dial in and hopefully make really efficient those drill dollars that are going to go in the ground. That makes just a lot of sense to take that approach. Now with the schedule, just with respect to a good idea of what we can expect coming down here, but just on schedule, when is the program expected to kick off, get completed? And then when do you think you'll start to see some of those initial news releases come out with some of the results? Yeah, so um, we're opening up the camp actually next Monday on October 16th. The, the snow is basically mounted now uh, so we can go up to the property. And then we've got the geophysical contractor coming in October the 20th. They're going to do detailed ground magnetics, a very tight 50 meter spacing across those main lines and some IP uh, as well. Uh, and then we're going to start drilling basically straight after Christmas. First week or two of January is, is scheduled for the rig to start turning. Production is estimated to be about 1,200 meters a month, so give us a good window. Quite quite comfortable to drill at least until the end of April up up there. That's the kind of season that we have before the snow potentially starts coming in, uh, and then hopefully, yeah, get some initial results out by PDAC is, is what I'm hoping, Andrew. Uh, if we can start the returning first or second week of uh, of January, I think by the end of February, hopefully, we can have some initial results. I think we're very keen to get initial results out ASAP. And show people that you know we have these great targets and not here, here's the essay results from them as well so definitely um want to get them out and i think yeah and end of february is realistic for initial drill results very well that sounds like it's good timing and uh yeah i think we have a good idea of what the plan is here on the projects and what we can expect over here just call it over the next six months or so uh, just to zoom out a little bit just talk about argentina from a jurisdictional and risk standpoint the economy there is certainly one that needs significant overhaul and mining is a should be a very important component of that overhaul. But how do you see Argentina today broadly? And then just also from a junior explorer standpoint, because you guys aren't immediately subject to permit risk and stuff like this because you're doing exploration work. But overall, just talk about Argentina and how comfortable you are in the country. 
Yeah, no, Andrew, and it's it's a, it's a great topic, and it's very topical as well. There's a there's a very big election coming up in Argentina on on the 22nd of October, where um, the expectation is that Millet will win, and you know he's quite a would be a big change. You know, he wants to get rid of the Argentinian peso, get rid of the central bank, get rid of a lot of the government spending, drastic change to the economy. Now, I think a big issue with Argentina has been the currency, has been the capital controls. So if they do revert to US dollars, and basically already, Andrew, to give some context, nobody wants to get paid in pesos. The, the economy, which was already quite dollarized, is, is, that has escalated rapidly over the last couple of months um, since, it, since Malay won the, run, won the runoff. And um, you know, it, so it, it, like he, he's also pro-business. And I think that the current government is the, is the Peronist party um, that have been you know, the, the socialist side of things. There's definitely going to be, they're definitely going to lose. I think that's pretty cemented. It's just whether it be Malay or, or traditional pro-business government, but it seems it will be Malay. And he's very pro-mining and he knows that Argentina has so much mining potential uh, and mainly in two areas, like lithium and then copper gold. And there's some already big copper gold deposits sitting there, Taka Taka, all the Lundin ones, first quantum one, I think Glencore have a big project as well. There's, there's some great... Um, Deposits already kind of ready to be put into production, uh, but they're sitting there. You know, question marks: Why they're not getting into production? So I think it, it, it really needs a pro-business, pro-mining government to push this stuff along. And uh, yeah, like you say, we're right at the beginning of an exploration journey. We're nowhere near that permitting for mine construction, which is kind of the big hurdle that companies need to overcome. But these projects are in the hands of, of the the world's biggest mining companies, Glencore, First Quantum, uh, Barrick, etc. So it's something that I think we will see advance substantially under the new government, the development of these big copper gold projects, more development of lithium projects, more exploration dollars coming in. And to give you an idea already that the government, the local governments realize that they need to be more pro-business and they need to be attracting foreign capital, definitely. And I think that's something that could substantially uh, boom, if we do see, you know, Millet's policies come in and it literally becomes a US dollar economy, I think you, you could see a lot of foreign direct investment potentially led by the US going into Argentina. And, and I think mining will be, it, it, well, it's one of the most obvious beneficiaries of that. And I think it will be. So I think actually we're, we're, we're coming at a great time. I mean, let's see what the result of the election is. But if these policies do come through within the next kind of two or three months after, you know, Malay comes to power, then I think you know we could really be riding the crest for that you know opening up of Argentina, opening up of business, opening up of foreign direct investment and mining. So uh, yeah, it's it's a fascinating place, Andrew. I mean, I was there last week. You know, it's a it's a sad state of affairs right now. You know, it was a grand country. You know, at the beginning of the 1900s, it was on the rise with the U.S. to challenge the European powers, and it's all gone dramatically wrong. And uh, you know, it's it's a fascinating it's a fascinating case study. Uh, you know, very educated people, great natural resources, but it's all, it's all gone dramatically wrong. So it'll be great, great to see if they, you know, well, what's going to happen. Hopefully, they can turn it around over the coming decades, and you know, it could be a great time to be investing in, in the country. Appreciate your insights on that, Michael. And it's, uh, it's sad to see governments and policies destroy countries and societies and people. It, it really is sad, and of course, we're seeing that in a lot of places around the world. Uh, some really, really stupid mistakes, silly things that are happening that the history books have already warned us on many times. 
and that it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out some of these policies, what works, what doesn't work, free markets, uh, just overall freedom uh, tends to be the better way to go here. But uh, Argentina, certainly, I, I think that there's some good potential. Having mining as the backbone for wealth generation, I think is absolutely important because it, it does so much for the country, for the local community. And I suppose just with that community work, anything just on that front that you'd like to mention on community work that you're doing at the local levels on fronts, you know, such as new training skills development of the local workforce, and then also just utilization of local service providers. Yeah, both. And uh, that's definitely something that Hernan is very passionate about. You know, he's, he's a proud local Argentinian from, from the area. So Hernan, Hernan's from San Juan and to give context, we're actually in the state of La Rioja. So they border each other. Uh, La Rioja is one of the poorest states in Argentina. And, um, you know, we, we uh, got a good relationship with, from the governor down. Uh, actively hiring local local people from the state, which he is very keen on, looking to you know get contract. It's still a bit early for us to be doing, but you know, but helping them focus to get mining contractors into the province and, and really develop mining. And they're very keen. They have good lithium potential as well in, in the district further further north from us. And you know where we are, they have they have a big slice of this Vicuña about, which is you know, probably the hottest exploration district in the world right now. So. Yeah, it's great to actually be helping, and they're very receptive, particularly to Hernan, who they respect greatly. Uh, you know his guidance on how they can develop mining in their state and how that you know they can create jobs and companies and government revenues from that. So yeah, it's very it's great to see, and you know, the people are so grateful for the for the jobs. They're very hardworking. You know we have a, a local geologist now on the staff. We have a lot of local helpers uh, from the area. We've hired students from the local university to help out as well geological students and it, you know everybody is uh, is really grateful for the opportunity which is is great to see is a, is a nice feeling that you you're helping these people and they have great gratitude for the opportunity appreciate the efforts on that front and uh, you know obviously you guys as a smaller explorer there's only so much you can do which uh, that could potentially grow as success comes out there and appreciate you sharing some of those views on that and some of your work of just good business practices is what I like to consider it as. Nothing new. I think reasonable people and reasonable companies come out and provide a good opportunity for local folks and local utilization and those various efforts that we think uh, definitely makes sense. Michael, just on another note, just talk about the plans for, you know, you guys are newly listed on the TSXV additional listings, maybe such as USOTC, you know, call it QBQX type listing there. Is that something in the cards, say, over the next year to get accomplished? And then just talk about getting the word out about this company in the coming months. Yeah, uh, firstly, yeah, definitely we're starting the OTC listing already. You, you, you can't start it until you trade on the TSX fee, but definitely want to get that up ASAP. So, you know, US, uh, US, invest, US investors can buy in US dollars uh, and then you know, in their 401ks, et cetera, if they, if they want to. So yeah, that's in the works already, Andrew. And then, yeah, we like, we're, we're a new company. I really want to get the word out far and wide. Um, you know, we have a great story to tell and uh, I, I want everybody to hear about it and get the opportunity to, to get in at this early stage. So yeah, extensive marketing uh, really coming up around the world. We just, I just did two weeks in Canada. I'll go to Europe. I'm going to go to Australia. And uh, do a lot of these online webinars uh, as well, getting the getting the word out about Sendero and the opportunity that uh, we're presenting to investors. 
Well, Michael, thank you for the taking the time here to introduce us to the company. Why don't we leave it there for now on this program, but uh, for potential investors who are listening in, Sendero Resources has a market capitalization of about 13 million Canadian dollars. Why should the company be considered within the institutional family office and retail investors portfolio? Exploration offers you know, massive potential returns. You know, if, if you look at all the other companies under Bakuni, about a billion dollar plus. So you know, from, from, from 10 million to a billion, okay, there's going to be some dilution, but you're looking at massive, massive multiples on, on exploration success. So it's not obviously um, risk-free exploration, but it's definitely a case where entry at this point could offer a very large return uh, to investors. So people that are educated and understand the risk of exploration, I think definitely should, uh, should be looking at the company at, at this point. And Michael, the best way for interested parties to contact the company? Yeah, please don't hesitate to, to reach out to me. Uh, my email is michael at uh, senderoresources.com. We also have an info at senderoresources.com email. Please don't hesitate to reach out. You know, we can exchange emails or jump on a call. Always very happy to talk with interested parties uh, about the company and explain uh, and discuss any points they might want to discuss. So yeah, please don't hesitate to reach out. Well, Michael, really appreciate it. Good to chat and discuss this new opportunity. Thank you for the time and best of luck uh, in the coming months. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having me.